0: Pastor John here, and as we contemplate the beginning of a new year, we experience all the excitement of a fresh start and um, New Year's resolutions and all those things that kind of go along with New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So I want to talk with you a little bit about that today. Our sermon for today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5 through 9. It's called The Wide Door. And it talks about the opportunity that Paul sees before him as he ministers throughout Macedonia and uh, the whole Mideast region. So the question is whether or not we have an opportunity, and whether or not there's a wide door open for us. So join us as we worship God and hear his word. Meanwhile, you can turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 16. We're going to start off in verses 5 through 9. Five through nine. And while you're turning there, I'll tell you another, another story about one of my kids when they were younger. Ruth was, I, I remember ex- exactly the moment it happened. She was seven years old. It was New Year's Eve. And she came running up to me. And with, with all the excitement that, that her face could engender, she said, Dad, tomorrow's a new year. And I went, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And she, she was just filled with energy. She had read about New Year's resolutions, and she was going to make some. And so I'm like, okay, well, what are you going to make? And she said, well, you're not supposed to tell anybody what your New Year's resolution is. And I went, okay. <laughs> but she had this idea that at, at midnight, when the ball fell in Times Square, when the world began celebrating that there was a new beginning and I want to talk to you about that today because we've got a new year coming in five days don't we and so what does this look like well it it, you know we see it we see it as a fresh start we see it as the opportunity to make resolutions things that we're going to do a little bit differently there's a sense of new beginnings a sense of excitement about the calendar changing and we could all use some excitement, different than the excitement that we've had over the last 24 months. Yeah. You know, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary of dealing with the pandemic. So we all want some excitement. We all want something fresh. But brothers and sisters, if we look underneath the hood a little bit and analyze our own hearts, what we're really looking for is, what we really crave, is joy. What we really crave is peace. And you would think that that would be easy enough for us to have, but it seems to be an elusive target for a lot of people. And, and so we, we need to ask ourselves, why, why is there such a, a minimal amount of joy and peace floating around us in the culture around us, maybe even in our homes? And I think it's because we look for these things in the wrong places. So, we're constantly look to our circumstances to make us happy. And, you know, I've talked to you about this before. I believe there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is dependent almost totally upon our circumstances. Whatever we find ourselves in will dictate whether or not we're happy or unhappy. But there is an inner peace, an inner happiness that isn't dependent upon our circumstances. And I want to call this joy. It's a joy of a relationship with our Savior. The joy of uh, knowing that the Creator of the world has given His Son to die in our place so that we can have a relation for Him. There's peace. There's joy in that. But unless you're looking for it in Jesus Christ, you're not going to find it. And life can be very frustrating. So we all have... This same opportunity coming up in five days to resolve, to, to make a determination, to live in him. And now next week, Pastor Scott is going to talk about ways that we can walk this out, uh, ways that we can move towards that joy, ways that we can move towards that peace. But this week, I want to lay a little bit of groundwork for how all this works. And groundwork for how we can find joy and contentment regardless of our circumstances. And if we can, if we can get our arms around this and we can get a, a peek at it and pursue that goal together, that goal of finding our joy in Him and Him alone, then I think you'll be able to take advantage of the new year that's coming up. We'll be able to walk through the doors that are open to us. And this takes us to our... Our passage for today uh, the sermon this morning is the wide door and it comes right out of 1st uh, Corinthians 16 starting with verse 5 Paul says he's talking to the Corinthian church and it is kind of the end of his letter and I, I think a lot of times that uh, we read the beginning the, the salutation the greeting of the letter and the end of the letter, and we think, well that's just something they kind of put there on the end but we believe the entire Word of God is inspired so this is here for a reason other than for Paul to say goodbye and hope to see you again. So he says this in, in verse 5 of uh, 1 Corinthians 16, I will visit with you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. So he's got plans. Paul, Paul has a map in his head where he wants to go. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. And his plans are a little flexible. That's a good idea. Verse 7, for I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. So Paul's kind of laying this foundation for really love to see you. I'd like to spend some quality time with you. But understand that I have work to do as well. So in verse 8 he says, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. And verse 9, For a, now why, why is he making all these plans? Why is he saying, I want to be here, and I want to be here, and all that? And here it is in verse 9. For a wide door, so he says a door has been opened. Now, when we see, figuratively, the open door being an opportunity, amen, Paul has an opportunity for what? For effective work. A wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, he knows that wherever he's going, it's not going to be easy. But he has this opportunity to minister. Paul could stay with the people that he's writing to because he's eager to see them. They're eager to see him. He could stay in Ephesus. We know he's got a close relationship with them. Or he could go out on the road and do what he's been called to do and Face adversaries, and he's saying, I need your company, I need your fellowship, I need to spend some time with you, but I have a job I have to do, and this is not going to be easy. So, Paul sees the opportunity for further ministry, and it's a wide door open to him to do what? To do effective work. Well, if we read Paul carefully, and you look at, at if you look at the way he wrote his letters chronologically you find that the longer Paul ministers the more he talks about joy and peace and actually that's not how his life went because the longer he was in ministry the long the more he suffered the more he was tortured I mean look at the number of times he's thrown in jail you know you go through second Corinthians you take a look near the end of the book and everything that Paul's gone through shipwrecks beatings torture Jailings. I mean, it goes on and on and on. A couple of times they thought he was dead. And, and even as Paul begins to walk in that, he begins to walk in the peace and the joy of being a follower of Jesus Christ. So Paul has learned this lesson that his joy is not dependent upon his circumstances. It's dependent upon his relationship with the Lord. And he wants to show us that. So how does Paul find this joy? How do we get there? I mean, we're all not Paul, Amen. Uh, we see him as a superstar I don't think he saw himself that way but we see him as one of the pillars of the faith and we look at him and go well it's easy for Paul he was Paul nothing was easy for Paul everything was hard for Paul he had the opportunity to be the leader of the Jews he's a rising superstar of the Pharisees and he stepped away from all that to go into a land where nobody wanted to listen to him Matter of fact, when people got so so angered at at listening to him, they would throw him in jail. They would beat him. They would kick him out of town. They'd, They'd do these horrible things to him. Yet Paul was able to say near the end of his ministry, I am content in all circumstances. Well, where does he get this stuff? I think if we take a close look at scriptures, we can see it. We can see today, well, I'm going to show you three ways to find joy. And joy can be found in fellowship. Everybody say amen. Joy can be found in fighting. I know a lot of you want to say amen. This will be a good one. And joy can be found in following. So let me warn you ahead of time. There's no magic elixir here. There, there's no mystical combination of things that you could do or say that are going to bring you joy. There, there are no self-improvement methods in the Bible. I know there are a lot of people who want you to have a better life, okay, but the secret to a better life is a closer relationship with Christ. So, these are things we all know to be true, but somehow, somehow we find it difficult to do these things. We need to be challenged at times to, to accomplish the things that we need to accomplish in order to be content in everything that we experience, in order to experience joy regardless of our circumstances. So let's take a look at f- how we can find joy in fellowship. Now, there are three, three areas in our lives where we can find joy in a type of fellowship. And the first one is in fellowship with Christ. Now, in his first letter to the church, uh, the Apostle John concludes his greeting with this phrase, uh, John, 1 John 1, verse 4. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. What things are you talking about? Well, he's telling his, his readers that their joy can be full. That they can experience the fullness of joy, the fullness of peace. They can embrace this. And then, then he doesn't just leave it out there. He tells them how to do it. And here we are in verse 5 of 1 John 1. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin here's the source of joy the blood of jesus christ it cleanses us from all sin when jesus when john talks about walking in the light He's talking about walking in Christ. And what that means, walking in Christ, is living in the truth of who he is. Living in the truth of what he's called us to do. There's a type of intimate relationship with him that produces the blessing, watch this, of cleansing us of our sins when we repent and drawing us closer together while we come closer to him. And so as we, as we see that pyramid starting to form and we're drawn closer and closer to him and we come closer and closer to each other, we begin to do the things that Christians are supposed to do. They, they begin to come naturally. There's accountability in the, 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 and we experience joy. If you want more joy in your life, the clue is the first step you got to take is to draw closer to Jesus Christ. Now, the second way that we can find joy in, in fellowship is to spend time with other Christians. Now, listen to me carefully. Because what I'm about to tell you is an encouragement to, to spend time with other Christians. It is not a discouragement to be out there in the world and talking about Jesus Christ. But we do have to be aware of our environment and the things that are being poured into us. And so we have to be careful with this. Psalm 133 verses 1 through 3 says this behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity it's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes it's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Now, This is this is out of the Old Testament but it's an early picture Uh, The body of Christ is an early picture of the church. Aaron represents the head. He's a type of Christ, a shadow of the Christ that is to come. And, And as he is blessed by the anointing oil being poured over him, it flows down to all the people that are in his charge. And so they are all blessed, all those who are with Aaron. So collectively, we see this picture of Aaron and, and the blessings that are flowing upon him, and those are a representative of all the blessings that come with a relationship with Christ. And they're best experienced in fellowship with each other. There's, there's joy, brothers and sisters. There's joy to being part of the body of Christ. And our joy is increased when we spend time together outside of the church setting. So it's not just for 45 minutes or 70 minutes on Sunday morning that we come together. We seek out the fellowship of other Christians. We immerse ourselves in other people who love the Lord, sharing His Word, sharing what He's doing in our lives, being an encouragement to each other. And we experience the joy of fellowship with other believers. So the third way that we can experience joy in fellowship is by coming to church. Now I'm going to say something that's not popular amongst my my circle of pastor friends, but I'm going to tell you that to come to church either virtually or in person. And we understand that we've been in a long period of time where it's difficult for some people to come to church. Uh, We understand that we're still in a time where it's not a good idea for some people to be among us. If, if there are people that are fragile in their immune systems, if they're prone to respiratory disease and everything, it's probably better to stay home at this point. But I'll tell you something else, it's gotten pretty easy to stay home, hasn't it? I mean, it's gotten very easy to stay home. The number of people that I said, gee, I'd like to be there on Christmas, don't worry, we'll be watching, okay? You know, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. God's given us this technology so that we can share the word of Christ with everybody and we need to take advantage of what we can but I want to encourage you I want to encourage you to come in the new year to come to the physical assembly if you're able, Jimmy said it a little bit earlier if you can come, I want to encourage you to come I know that after two years of not getting up early on Sunday morning and walking in the living room with our pajamas on and a cup of coffee in our hand, that's a fantastic way to go to church, isn't it? but there, there's a benefit to us being together We saw that on Christmas Eve, didn't we? When we all gathered over there on the courthouse steps and people were stopping and watching us just to see what was going on. That's what the assembly looks like. It's a witness to the community. It has a message to share with the community and we share that well when we're together. So if you can come in, if you're listening to us right now and you can come in next week, let me encourage you to come into church next week. Join us. And, and we saw that, we see this in Psalm 122, uh, verse 1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, if you look at the little print at the beginning, which is not inspired, by the way, that tells us the context of this psalm, it's a song of ascent. And it's designed to be sung while people are traveling towards Jerusalem to go to the temple. So, and the temple was up. Let's go up to the Lord. You know, Jerusalem's 4,000 feet. Most of Israel is below 4,000 feet. So to go to Jerusalem, you had to go up. So it's designed to be sung on the way to the temple, even at, on the steps of the temple. And it's a, a way to anticipate the gathering to worship the Lord. So as, as we look at what I'm convinced are the end times, as we look at the time for Christ to return as it gets near, uh, like those ancient Jews on the way to Jerusalem, we sense a growing anticipation of his arrival. It's a common experience that we all have. We're looking for it. We share it. It's the hope that we share. And it's the promise that we see in Hebrews. Watch this, what the writer in Hebrews tells us. verse, 10, verse uh, Chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Now, you can do those things without coming to church. Those two things you can do without coming to church, and we should be doing it. But look what he does now in verse 24. And Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works okay now it's getting a little bit more intimate and then in verse 25 not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near so another way to experience joy is in the gathering the assembly of believers so that we can Stir up one another with love and good works. And we derive joy from each other when we're together in in a way, in a manner of worshiping and hearing the Word that just has no equal anywhere else in the world. So we can find joy in our fellowship with Christ. We can find joy in fellowship with other Christians. And we can find joy in coming to church. You can also find joy in fighting. Okay, now somewhere, somebody's going, all right, John, we've been waiting for this one, man. Tell me who I can punch. Tell me, tell me who I can put up nasty things on social media about. Okay? There are passages in the Bible that tell us to fight, but I want you to take a close look and see what the three primary battles we are to fight Are comprised of our three foremost battles first battle we wage is an inner battle and we wage a war on sin now I got to tell you if we're not reading these verses in context we're going to get the wrong idea because right now one of my great concerns about the church universal the evangelical church in the United States is that they're waging a war on sin in other people. In other people. And I think that's a mistake. We, war- we wage a war on sin, not in others, brothers and sisters, but in ourselves. In Peter's first letter to the church, he speaks of the behavior of unbelievers in chapter 2, and then he, sa- he describes the unbelievers. And he, he's got it right. It's 2,000 years old, but take a look there, there later on. He's got it right. But then he says this in First Peter 2, 9. But you, and, and the first thing he wants us to see is there's a difference between us and them. But you, plural, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I've told you before, the only reason the church is here is to proclaim the gospel. Then verse 10, he wants to remind us of where we come from. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Then he tells them what to do. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. brothers and sisters, our first battle, our first battle is with the heart, is with our own hearts which can lead us astray. And if we're going to fight this battle, we need to know this. And I know know how easy it is to, to say that I want to follow my heart I got to be true to my heart but that works listen carefully that works only if your heart is aligned with the heart of Christ if your heart isn't aligned with the heart of Christ it will lead you astray it will deceive us so we have to fight our hearts at times now this is not that hard of a battle to fight we have the help and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to help us but the question you know we've got to listen so at that moment of anger, at that moment of hate, when the Holy Spirit is just whispering in your don't do that. That's not love. That's not mercy. He's not going to shout at you in that moment. But he'll whisper, this is not godlike." You've got to decide whether or not you're going to listen, whether you're going to go, but I feel so strongly about this. Oh my gosh, you don't understand how important the latest news report is. And I've got to do something. Listen to your heart and you'll get in trouble. If our hearts are aligned with Christ, it works. So the first battle is with our hearts. The second battle is with indifference. And so with this, we need to be careful where our passions lie. We need to remember that our God is a consuming fire, but a fire that refines, a fire that totally engulfs us uh, down to our very essence of our being, but never burns us to cinders, but is constantly burning away everything that is unholy. That's the type of consuming fire our God is. And so we we have to be acutely aware of this battle because there are a lot of things around us that will distract us and make us indifferent to the war on unholiness. Matthew speaks of it in his gospel. Matthew 24, verse 10. And then, talking about the end times, maybe today, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow, what? It says, cold. Now the word for cold here means literally to cool down, but it has a spiritual connotation. And what it talks about is it losing a passion for God. To lose the fire is to reassign our passion for God to something else. And something else becomes our consuming fire. It could be a lot of things. It could be money, it could be our homes, it could be our children, it could be our jobs, it could be politics, it could be the news. Folks, the path to joy, the path to to true joy is in making God first in our lives and making Him our highest priority, making our greatest passion, our fondest love. We should strive to be as consumed with God as He is with us. And we need to understand this. God is so consumed with us that He died for us. Do we have that kind of passion for Him? Do we have that kind of passion for Him? We have to actively fight indifference, replacing our zeal for God with something else, or lose our passion for God. And the third battle that we're going to have over joy is against laziness. This is important because we're all on the verge of making New Year's resolutions. And keep this in mind when we neglect our spiritual disciplines, lethargy sets in and we all know what we're talking about here we get accustomed to not reading our Bibles we get accustomed to not praying we get accustomed to not attending church and the longer we stay away from any of those tell me what happens the harder it gets to go back isn't it I haven't read my Bible for two weeks I'll pick it up again tomorrow But those things, those things are vital to our spiritual health. And I think this is what Paul was thinking of when when he described the marks of a true Christian in his letter to the Romans. It says this in Romans 12, starting in verse 9. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Don't be slothful in zeal. Later on this afternoon, go back through that passage here and just put underline the verbs. You want to know how to maintain zeal? You do these things. Paul just gives you a a quick rundown of the things that you can do to maintain your passion for God. Paul cautions against warning against our losing our zeal. And the zeal means fervor, it means eagerness, it, it means diligence. We're to be diligent in serving the Lord if we're to expect the blessings of being part of the body of Christ. We should do the things he tells us to do. And, and it's easy, it's just hard to maintain the discipline, but we should read our Bibles. The scripture says we should be praying unceasingly, that we should attend church, that we should, uh, for all intents and purposes, just act like a Christian, act like we've been transformed. So the three battles that we're called to fight are against sin in us, against indifference to holiness, and against laziness in our spiritual disciplines. Now, if we can wage those battles, we can find peace. We can find joy. So the third area that we can find joy in is in following. It's in following. So as in following Christ in all he tells us to do. And the first thing that we should do is we should follow his call. What is his call? Matthew four nineteen: Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We, we follow this example. We, we follow Christ. We learn as much as we can about him. Do what he says to do. Do what he does. And God makes us into what he wants us to be. I love this. He said, Christ said, follow me, and I'll make you into fishers of men. He didn't say, follow me, and I'll give you the desires of your heart. He didn't say, follow me, and I'll make you successful. He didn't say, follow me, and and then you can be anything that you want to be. He said, follow me, and I'll make you into fishers of men. God intends us to be agents of the gospel. He intends us to evangelize the world around us. He's gonna make us into what he wants us to be. And, we're, and we are then going to be his recruiting agent. We're going to have a little table set up at safely. Instead of giving away cookies, we're going to give away salvation. We're going to give away truth. We're going to give away peace. We're going to give away joy. OK? We're going to be his ambassadors. We'll be the bearers of his message, his representatives here on earth. So we can follow the call. We can also follow his commandments. Now, I know this is a tough challenge because you know, we're going through the Ten Commandments in the Catechism right now, and they're hard. They're hard to do, and we slip up from time to time, don't we? We don't always do a real good job of that. Christ knew that, so he, made it, he makes it easier than it sounds. And he does it in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus says to the Pharisees, because it seemed to be a whole lot of conclu- uh, confusion over what's legal and what's not legal, and whether or not Christ is doing something wrong. And what he does. So he says to the Pharisees in Matthew 22, starting at verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Jimmy just quoted it. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Two simple commandments love God, love your neighbor. They're the pathways, to joy in our lives. They, they require us to love God as much as He loves us and to love those people around us in the same fashion. The world tells us to do things differently. But God says, no, 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 no. You're not of the world. You're of me. You're a people set apart. I have meaning and purpose in what I've called you to do. And you're here to love me, and love those around you. We follow his commandments. The third thing we can do is we can follow his commissioning. This is what he calls us to do. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Now, a lot of folks really want to embrace this whatever-you-ask part. If I just ask sincerely and my heart really means it, then God will give it to me. But those people have a tendency to ignore the go and bear fruit part of our commissioning. God's not telling us to do these things because he needs our help. God's not saying, "Oh, I don't know, this is a pretty big job. I've got to get everybody moving in the same direction here. God's telling us to do these things, to obey Him, because that's what's best for us. God knows that our obedience to Him will bring us a joy and a peace that we long for. It's the only way to lay hold of joy. If you're looking for it anywhere else, you're going to be frustrated and not find it. So God says, do these things and, and bear fruit for me and I'll enter into your life and I'll bring you the peace that you long for. The only way to experience a peace that goes beyond understanding, Scripture says, is to fall into God's commission for us, because, not because he needs our help again, but because he loves us and he wants the best for us. So we follow the commission and then we follow his character. And I talk a lot about his character and nature, and I'm going to understand some people want to know what that is. It's who he is. It's the traits that make God, God. It's character and nature. What's he like? How does he function? How does he relate to the people in the world? How does he relate to believers? How does he relate to unbelievers? Those things reveal his character and nature. So we are called to emulate him. And we see this in 1 Peter again, chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written you shall be holy for i am holy we're called to be conformed into the image of god we're called to grow in our knowledge and awareness of who he is and how he functions we're called to grow in our knowledge of what his word says you want to be free you want to experience joy do your very best to be holy we're never going to get this quite right this side of heaven but i got to tell you something God doesn't call us to be perfect, brothers and sisters. He wants us to pursue holiness because in that pursuit, our desire for Him, our striving to be holy. Listen carefully. We are called to strive to be holy. We're not going to get there, this side of heaven. But in our desire to be holy, we become closer to God and closer to His character and nature and more like Him. And that's where the peace is. So we've got these four ways to experience joy in following. We follow his commandments, we follow his call, we follow his commission, and we follow his character. So there we are, three ways to find joy with another 10 thrown in for good measure, okay? Joy is to be found in fellowship with the Lord, with Christ, with other Christians, with the church. Joy can be found in fighting, fighting the sin that is here to rob us of our holiness, rob us of our joy we fight the indifference that can cause us to cleave to ungodly things and we fight the laziness that allows us uh, our spiritual disciplines to turn into atrophied muscles and then we have the joy in following we follow god's call in our life we follow his commission in our lives his commandments and his character so so my little girl standing there 31 years ago and explaining to me how exciting it is to be on the verge of a new year. Do you feel that? Do you feel that excitement rising up inside you? Do you feel the opportunity to do things different? Let me ask you something. We we all feel it to a certain degree, right? Maybe I'm the only one. (laughs) But we have this opportunity to change. We, have this, we We can go back and do everything that we did last year. And so let me ask you this. Are you experiencing joy? Are you experiencing peace? Do you have, do you have the, the peace that goes beyond understanding? I don't know about you. I could use a little bit more of that. I could use a little bit more joy, a little bit more peace in my life. So, I want to do the things that I need to do in order to experience that. I I want to accomplish the things that I need to accomplish in order to be closer to God this year. So you have this opportunity. What will you do with next year? What will you do with it? Will we be standing here on December 27th, I think, next year, whatever the date's going to be, wondering what we can do to experience more peace and joy in 2023. Think on these things. Think on these things. Take that handout home with you and take a look at it later on today. Because are things we all know that we need to do, but for some reason find it so difficult to get them accomplished. My prayer for you is that in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in His strength, that you walk in these basic things that we've spoken of here. And it will make 2022 different than 2021. Anybody want a different 2022 than 2021? Raise your hand. Yeah, all of us. Amen. I know you're raising your hand at home, too. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for wide-open doors. We give you thanks for your spirit that would encourage us to walk through them. We give you thanks, Father, for that part of our heart that longs to be closer to you. And we render ourselves up to you, Father, and say, have your way with us, mold us, shape us into what you want us to be. Help us, Father, to set aside the things that we want and the things that we desire and replace them with your heart and the things that you want for us, Father, because we know We know deep down inside that that's the path to joy and peace. We know, Father, that that's the reason that your Son died for us. So that we could become exemplars of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Lord, use us to reach out to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Pastor John here once again, and let me thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to participate in our ministry, there's three ways to get a hold of us. You can find us on the World Wide Web at WBFVA.org, we're on Facebook at WBFVA, and we're also on YouTube at WBFVA, maybe you're watching us there now. So we would love to hear from you if you have prayer requests, if you have, if you just want to talk to somebody, give us a call, drop us a line, send me a note. I would love to be able to chat with you for a while. Before you go, though, let me ask you to do this favor for me. Would you go down to the bottom of the screen on the YouTube channel and give us a thumbs up if you listen to our broadcast, even subscribe to our channel so that you can keep up with our teaching. God bless you, and thanks again for joining us.